Hey everyone, we're back with the District 3 Podcast. My name is Irvin, episode 153. We've made it all the way to 153 now. And today joining us are folks who actually have been on the podcast before. We've been debating if John has been on the podcast before. I think he has, but he says he hasn't, but uh, I still think he has. But the folks that are here with us today, first is Beth Coger, who's the elect Justice of the Peace, District 9 for Washington County. We have John Comstock, who is a former circuit judge for Bank County, an attorney and an advocate. And Sarah Moore, who is an advocate and also a candidate for Fayetteville uh, City Council Ward 2. And uh, what makes them all the same is that they're all part of Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition, which is an organization that has been doing a lot of work, a lot of good work in our area the past few years and continue to advocate um, against the jail expansion. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Sarah. You're currently running for, for uh, Fayetteville. I was about to say Springdale City Council. Fayetteville City Council. How has that been so far? Well, um, I've really enjoyed getting to go out and talk to more of my neighbors. I think it's so incredibly important that we're facilitating conversations with as many voices as possible. I've been uh, to over 3,000 doorsteps, and really our community, especially over these last several years, has really um, conveyed that we don't have enough community resources, that we really need to be putting our investments in affordable housing, pathways to home ownership, and Unfortunately, we have less healthcare capacity than we did a couple of years ago in things like mental health and recovery services. So instead of building a bigger jail um, as our housing solution, um, we really need to think about things that could be transformative in our community. And I think that's, that's, that's something, a thought that you all have in common. We're here, obviously, to talk about the jail expansion. For those that don't know, they have no idea what's going on here in Bank County and Washington County because... Both of them uh, are have up to vote the jail expansion, right? Both Washington and Bank County. Um, can you talk? And I'll, I'll guess I'll go with you, John, because um, I've heard you talk about it a lot as well. Um, can you talk about Bank County first? What what's up on the ballot this year uh, in regards to a jail expansion over there? Well, what they want to do in Benton County is there will be on the ballot two sales taxes: one to build the facility, and and one supposedly to operate the facility. Even though at quorum court meetings, we've heard the justices of the peace talk about the fact that several of them expect that this second sales tax, which is a permanent sales tax, it will actually generate, likely, more money than what they need. And they were actually talking about how do we get to spend that money, and and they they came up with ways that they could spend it for things other than operation of the jail. What's really distressing to me is that uh, we have 669 beds at our current county jail, they want to expand it by 1,200 beds, and we don't need any of that expansion. In fact, if they would do some of the things that Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition has pointed out to them that are actually being done all across the country in other communities, they could reduce the need and the demand for their current beds. Um, something as simple as, uh, and I say simple, it, it's not a complicated process, but pretrial services. Um, they, they know that they have, ha- they have been given estimates that would tell them within a matter of months they could free up 100 to 300 beds if they would implement pretrial services. And that's, that's something that would cost the county, say, less than a million a year. Mm. And yet they're talking about in Benton County spending a, a total package of about $250 million for this courts, sheriff's office, and jail expansion, all of which is unnecessary. Well, I mean, I, I, one of the things that I always think about is that when you make like a bigger, uh, specifically like a jail, right, it, I feel like the problem never ends, right? Because simply you create a bigger jail, you put more people in it, then you need a bigger jail. And that's something that a lot of times people don't think about. 
in Washington County, that's what's happening. It's like the jail expansion uh, that's up for vote as well. And, and folks are concerned that, you know, we're not tackling the root of the issue. Um, do you feel the same thing is happening in Benton County at the moment with, with oh. these two um, on the ballot? Absolutely. In, in fact, really, I don't, I don't want to pat Washington County too much on the back. Yeah, but, we don't. We don't do that but, here. But, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I will say they talk more about the issues. It mm. may be all talk in Washington County. In Benton County, you can't even get them to really discuss uh, the, the issues such as root cause. Uh, one of the things to consider is of our current jail space in, in Benton County, and I think the percentage is probably comparable in Washington County, 60 to 70 percent are pretrial detainees. These are people who haven't been convicted of a crime. Yeah. You know, they complain about the fact that they'll say at the sheriff's office, will say, well, we book people in and then we book them right back out. Well, that's fine. That's what county jails are for. Yeah. You book them in, you charge them with a crime, you take their fingerprints, their photograph, and, and, and you set conditions of release, uh, and you release them back uh, to their community and let them be responsible for their own housing costs, their own medical care. We shouldn't be paying for that while they're held in pretrial detention. They're still going to be held accountable for the charge, whatever the, whatever the offense is that's charged against them. But in the meantime, I, I think I told you maybe 60 to 70 percent are pretrial detainees, which means if we would just focus on that population, that's where the 100 to 300 plus beds come up that could, that could be uh, f uh, freed up within a matter of literally weeks mm. if they would focus on that effort. How have you, when was the what year were you were you a circuit judge over there in Bend County, John? In 2011, 2012, I was a felon. I was one of two felony judges in Benton County. And you um, think, like like you said, you know, things in Bend County seem to be a little bit more. Um, I don't know what the correct term is. I just I just feel like it's harder to get things done in Bend County a lot of the times when we're well, navigating the systems. Well, Irvin, let me tell you this: we have the most inefficient court system in the country. Uh, you might remember before I became a judge in 2011, I, I, I came immediately from a position as an in-house attorney at Walmart for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Twelve of those years I was litigating in federal courts all across the country. And some lawyers who didn't know me questioned, how is this what they thought was a corporate lawyer going to step into a felony judge role? And I'll tell you how. One of the simple reasons is, is we are doing things in Benton County our judges are conducting court in Benton County the same way our prosecutors are conducting business the same way they did when I was in law school mm -hmm. in 1975 and 1976. Mm -hmm. that, that is how stuck in time we are in, in, in this county. And Washington County is almost no better. Yeah. Uh, they, they're very, very inefficient. And yet, they want new courtrooms. Part of this complex in, in Benton County that they're going to take money that they already have on hand, reserves, and, and build a, uh, a bigger court complex, when really if you go to the courthouse and just walk through their courtrooms every day, half the time, maybe more than half the time, those courtrooms stand empty. Mm -hmm. but, but what's the big deal? It's because each judge wants their own courtroom. They don't want to mm. share courtrooms <laughs> on a timeshare type basis that would be efficient yeah. and cost savings for the general public. No, they want us, they want us taxpayers to pay for each of them to have their own fiefdom their own courtroom yeah wow and washington county is not is not um i mean washington county has its own problems uh, as we know uh, beth um you were recently talking on social media about the program is it how, what's the acronym for it is it s c a a p 
Oh, the state sc- criminal alien uh, assistance program. Can you talk about so, that? What that is, and, and the information that you were um, trying to get from the Washington County Sheriff's Office, and how it affects you know the the residents and undocumented folks here. Okay, in well, Arkansas. as I said, let's just call it SCAAP SCAP. That's yeah. what that's usually how it's per- referred to. The state state criminal alien protection program. It was uh, set up in the 1990s by Congress. Uh, what it does is it uh, when someone is checked into the jail at the Washington County Jail, one of the questions they're asked is, uh, where were you born or your country of birth? And, of course, if I were to list that, I would say USA, Darnell, Arkansas, whatever. But when an immigrant comes uh, comes into the jail and they were born, say, in El Salvador, that uh, starts the process right there. And they ask other questions. And then in order to get this money, we have to actually sell personal information on every so-called, I hate the word criminal alien, but what it is, it's, un, what, it's undocumented immigrants who are in the jail are, undocumented, are people whom someone at the sheriff's office thinks or believes might be undocumented. Mm. So they take this information and they give it to the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, and ICE. It, I think it directly goes to the Department of Justice, but ICE and the FBI also look at this. Mm. And then they determine whether or not they're going to uh, issue a detainer or come and pick up this person, alleged undocumented person, whenever that person's released. But this information is very, um, and some of the information that they provide, they have to have the the person's name, their uh, address, their home address, and their work address. Mm. So you can see how that would be very, if you were here undocumented, you didn't have your paperwork, that could be very uh, concerning. And what it does is it serves as a, I called it, I call it a deportation pipeline mm-hmm. because that's what it does. And last, for the fiscal year 2020, which is the last year, the most recent year that we uh, that we participated in the grant, we are getting $96,191 from the federal government for housing so-called Undocumented. Yeah. Is that per person? No, just that's a, just for total? all the bed days. We had okay. we had over tra- I think twelve thousand four hundred and fifty something bed days that were reviewed by ICE, and so if you divide that, it comes out to just over almost eight dollars a day that they call a reimbursement, which is nothing compared to the ninety six dollars and thirty four cents that the that it cost to house someone in the jail. But the problem is, and what I can't get people on the quorum court to understand is they don't understand how fearful or what damage that does to someone who's in this country and they don't have their paperwork Mm -hmm. and you know it's not easy you can't just come at go into a lawyer's office or some uh some office somewhere and get your paperwork it takes years sometimes and it's almost impossible there's so i mean people come here and they shouldn't have to live in fear that they're going to that ICE is going to show up at their home or at their or at their place of employment. But but when we sell this information to ICE, and that's the only the only way you can refer to it, is we're selling it mm-hmm. to them. Um, it it just creates a, a lot of fear in the immigrant community, but mm-hmm. also it separates families. Mm-hmm. And when your question as to your question about the information that that I sought. I asked the sheriff's office to tell me how many times ICE 
officials as representatives have been in the jail and I only asked for a few months I asked mm-hmm. for just from the first of this year through whatever date it was I did my FOIA I asked for how many detainers had been issued and I asked for how many uh, people ICE had actually transported from our Washington County Detention Center to someplace who, who knows yeah. uh, and uh, in the past I've been given that information but this time Sheriff Helder refuses to give it to me he says mm. i'll have to get it from ice and i reminded him that when we had when he was participating in 287g uh at our suggestion and our prompt he actually posted all this information online every month mm. if you remember i yeah. had charts on it mm-hmm. but now he's refusing to give me uh any information on it all wow. but it is a harmful program it yeah. does contribute to the deportation pipeline and we mm-hmm. should not be doing it that and just the how it ruins like the trust between the immigrant it community the trust. and why law enforcement the, and yeah. it puts the immigrants in a like I called it a two tiered uh, criminal justice system because not only I mean we ha- they're in jail they're charged with if if you're in jail and you're charged with a crime you're going to go through the criminal justice system one way or the other uh, but in this way it adds the the threat and not only the threat but lots of times the actual deportation yeah. of our immigrant neighbors. Thank you for advocating on that because a lot of the times, you know, I talked to you, we were talking about um, quorum core and stuff like that and, and I told you how um, folks in our community are just tired of having to advocate against like a, a wall. We don't feel that that some folks will even budge or even have a change of heart. Absolutely. And it gets to a point sometimes where it's like, why even bother? You know, why even bother to try? So it's up to it really is up to us, the folks that are allies that are uh, that have like residency or citizenship um, to advocate for our undocumented brothers and sisters. Um, I do want to start start talking about like what led to the uh, the beginning of this organization, Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition. Um, who had the idea of having this organization be created, and what is the role that this organization play, play, plays in the community at this moment? Well, we came together originally. It was very grassroots. It was a lot of concerned community members from different walks of life. Um, there were people from the faith community. There were um, past and retired attorneys and educators, um, stay-at-home parents. Um, and so it was collectively around the dismay of attending um, Washington County Quorum Court and seeing that Sheriff Helder was proposing a jail expansion, yet had no um, assessment, had no study to say why we had arrived at a $38 million jail expansion at that time. There were no other solutions presented, no other best practices. Um, And it was incredibly concerning to our community because we knew that as the number four incarcerator Um, that Arkansas is in the nation, that Arkansans and people in Northwest Arkansas are not any more criminal than the rest of the folks Mm -hmm. in the the rest of the country. And so really what Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition started as uh, was stopping the jail expansion, which unfortunately we're facing again. But more than that, it's creating um, uh, systems of care, uh, really solving for uh, folks that are having unmet needs that oftentimes unfortunately are being met with arrest and incarceration. Um, It's harmful for Arkansas. Um, It's harmful for our families. Um, It doesn't help our economy. And so we really are looking for those um, solutions that are backed by evidence. They've been done in other areas, things like pretrial services, things like a thriving wage. Mm. Um, uh, There's some incredible information that's out there about Alice in Arkansas, an Mm asset-limited individual and family in Arkansas, which is commonplace. 
Um, over half the jobs in Arkansas um, don't pay a living wage. Um, and they see that the all-in cost that a family needs is over $22 an hour. And mm -hmm. so our families are constantly in crisis. And so whenever yeah. folks um, end up in our jail on a cash bond, um, and we've had this over-incarceration issue in Washington and Benton County for years and years, many of these folks are there because they're too poor to pay. Yeah. Um, and we have yet to address these root issues of poverty that are continuing um, to grow, unfortunately, uh, with the escalation of inflation, of our rental costs in our area up 30 percent, uh, utilities being at all-time highs. Uh, families cannot afford a $100 emergency. Uh, and so really, there is this incredible opportunity and why Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition uh, is, is really so energized and has so much momentum is because we see incredible opportunity to really help each other out as neighbors and fellow Arkansans uh, to really thrive. One of the things that I, that I notice is that y'all have a lot of success with like young people, uh, activists in the area and folks who um, might not know about every issue, but they do know that there is an incarceration problem in Northwest Arkansas. I see your, your post shared on, on Instagram a lot, you know, from Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition. Um, do you all have a strategy right now for social media? Did because y'all are very good at putting out graphics. I'm not sure who does the graphics or who, or who posts social media, but um, it seems to be effective in getting people's attention because I see people within my circle who a lot of the times necessarily won't get involved in their community, but they're sharing the posts. No, we, one of the pillars within our organization as we've kind of talked our strategy and become a, a 501c3 this last year is that we really want to make sure that we're an educator and a connector in our community. That's a strength that we do have. Um, we are incredibly data rich, and I really uh, would welcome folks to come and volunteer and join us, and we hope to have um, paid opportunities in the future. But um, our social media has evolved because we do have multiple voices that are present in the conversation. Um, mm -hmm. We have some young people involved. Um, we have folks that have business background involved. Um, so people from all walks of life in our community. And so um, the things that you'll see us sharing throughout the community are going to be coming from all these different viewpoints. Um, and backgrounds, and so mm. that way, hopefully, it'll be reflective of what our community is like, um, and that we can continue to be an educator because the data speaks for itself really resoundingly that what we're doing is not working, mm -hmm. and the minute that we're aware of it, we can do better, and if we don't know, we can't do any better, yeah. so it really is upon us, every one of us that knows what's happening to be able to convey so that there can be better solutions. You, you know what, Irvin, if I could just add to go that. Ahead. One thing, both of our sheriffs, Sheriff Holloway and Sheriff Helder, if you go back and research things that they've said publicly, they both have acknowledged we realize we cannot incarcerate our way out of the, the issues that we're dealing with in our mm -hmm. society. They, they know that to be true. They know that incarceration actually doesn't work, uh, particularly at the county level. There's no um, reforming of an individual at the county level. And as Sarah said, they recognize that really if we're going to change things, if we're going to change people's behavior, we actually have to get to root causes. Poverty mm -hmm. is one of them. Uh, it, it, it's, it's maybe the single biggest one. And as Sarah mentioned, think about it. Let, let it stick in your mind that over half of the people in Arkansas have jobs that, that, that don't pay up to $22 an hour, and yet mm -hmm. that's what's needed for a family to survive. Yeah. So we have half of our population families 
basically struggling from month to month, and now you've got, say, three, four, five hundred people in a county jail charged, charged with an offense, but they have a bond set, and they can't post that bond. Why? Because they can't pull one, two, three, four, five hundred dollar bills out of their pocket. No. And yet our system of justice says if you could peel that, those bills out of your pocket, we're going to give you your freedom. That, that's a very disturbing thing, and, and it will only get worse if we build these two jail expansions, Benton and Washington County, northwest Arkansas, which is supposed to be this grand place to live, will become known as the counties of incarceration in this state. Mm. And we, in this state, just in general, we incarcerate more people than some countries do, right? Oh, some of the data that I've seen in that, that just sounds like well, something well, that shouldn't be happening. think about this. Arkansas is like the fourth or fifth fastest growing prison population, incarceration population in, in, in our nation. A few years ago, we were number one. So we've come down just a little bit. But worldwide, uh, I'm always struck by, by, the, by the data that tells us that uh, the United States is 5% of the world's population and we're 25%, 25% mm-hmm. of the world's incarcerated population. Why uh, do you think we have that um, obsession with wanting to incarcerate people? In this country, Gosh, just in general. I, you know what? It, it, it is an obsession. I, 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 I think we have become a very punitive uh, country. Um, we tend to throw out sentences like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, as if it's monopoly money. We don't really realize the impact and the, and the, and the, the effect that we're having on individuals by a day of incarceration, a week, a month. Um, I think we could accomplish a whole lot more uh, with our criminal justice system if we would focus on much much less periods of incarceration and more because people don't come out of prison uh, prepared to just step right back into society. In fact, not only did we deprive them of liberty all that time, it, while they're in prison, they're dealing with fear, fear of violence really on a mm-hmm. daily basis. And then when they get out, we don't let them, our, most of our apartment complexes won't rent to them. Um, uh, employers won't hire them. I mean, mm-hmm. we put up all these roadblocks. We take away their right to vote. Um, we make it difficult for them to participate. We say in one breath that we want you to be a contributing member of society, and then we put up every roadblock that we can. But, but of course, the problem is, Urban, we've done this historically. And I, I, I wish I knew the answer. Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition is just committed to the fact that we're going to keep trying to, as Sarah mentioned a minute ago, educate people, make people aware of this uh, 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 of this situation and, and try to uh, be more reflective mm-hmm. about what our solutions are. And I want to talk about some of the things that y'all have either been a part of organizing or just been a part of in the community. Uh, initially, y'all were a, a big part in the warrant clinics that happened here, right? Maybe uh, not so much recently. Uh, I think the county has to kind of take it over. But uh, you all were the, the folks that brought the idea to the table. Am I, am I right in saying a- this? Absolutely. I mean, we, we, that's one of the solutions that we've advocated for. Um, we think that, you know, there are interim steps that can help to relieve pressure and create solutions and relieve stress and anxiety to our community, which for us, you know, o- oftentimes, you know, we hear about um, our elected leaders talking about community safety. And really, community safety is much a broader conversation, right? It's it's how much anxiety do you have in the day to day? What is your wellness, health, and wellness like? Are you able to meet you know your basic needs and be able to get health care? I mean, that's your well being and safety. And so the fact that folks oftentimes 
um, know they've missed their court date, just like you've missed a, a medical appointment or your, your dental appointment. Um, we forget things, and folks that are living, juggling a lot of things that don't have a stable place to live, um, that are juggling lots of obligations, maybe um, working several shift jobs, they might you know, miss their court appointment and they will be issued a failure to appear warrant, which means that's another felony charge they face if they will go to jail. And in um, Washington County, uh, their bond will be 50,000 or 100,000 yeah. or more. And so you will stay in jail until your court um, obligation is fulfilled. And that oftentimes is 90 plus days um, in jail. And you can only imagine what kind of things fall apart in your life. So if you're in the community and you know you have this outstanding warrant, I mean, you are, if you're the victim of a crime perpetrated by someone else in the community, you're not going to call police. Um, so domestic violence type mm -hmm. situations, um, if somebody um, harms you in some way, you're not going to reach out because you know you have an outstanding warrant and will go to jail. And so it creates this additional, you know, tier of, you know, lack of justice in our community and additional victimization of individuals. And so that doesn't create wellness um, and well-being and safety in our community. Um, some of the other things, too, that we um, have done um, in the community are, you know, car clinics. So oftentimes, you know, the first interaction we, as we've sat listening with people that have been impacted um, was, you know, a taillight's out uh, or the bulb above their license plate. It kind of starts them down this path in district courts where they get trapped under fines and fees. Yeah. Um, and so we really want to make sure that we can do some interim steps to make, you know, lives a little easier. Um, some of the feedback we've gotten from the community was a community member saying after a car clinic, I can drive with my child in the car and I don't feel fearful anymore. Mm. Um, and so we want to be a part of the solution as much as um, sometimes we're told by um, the sheriffs or some of the justices of the peace that we're very critical of the system. We are. However, we also have rolled up our sleeves and we're doing the work, too, to be a part of the solution. Uh, and so we really um, welcome folks to join us to be a part of the solution. We hope to um, contribute to record sealing in the, the future. Um, we'd like to ho hold some pardon clinics. And um, we're very open to feedback and being um, a part of conversations in the community about things that would help and improve the lives and the well-being of our community. Why, why are these issues uh, important to you all in general? Because um, I know that uh, I'm not sure what y'all's past history has been. Maybe there has been some incarceration. Maybe there hasn't. Well, there has for you, John, recently. We were well, talking about that. But, <laughs> well, uh, <12 hours. laughs> but like, what, what uh, is a driving factor for you um, to wanting, wanting to, to better the system? Like, what are you? Because I know y'all don't necessarily benefit from it, but you all see, I feel like, a need in the community, right? Whoever wants to touch on that. I'm yeah. looking at Beth. We're all looking at Beth. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, it's. Uh, I just, I've worked in the law firm for about 43 years. We did a lot of criminal defense work. Some of my best clients, some of my, even friends to this day, were people that got caught up in the criminal justice system. And at first, I, when I started working there, I was 19. And uh, <laughs> um, I'm, so I just came to realize that there were a lot of people there because they were poor. They couldn't, they couldn't, they had no oppor their opportunities were lacking their their pathway forward and they just got caught up in the system maybe for something minor th like Sarah mentioned earlier about like maybe it was a traffic violation and then they get stuck with all these fines and fees and then it just kind of snowballs into mm -hmm. uh, something that uh, that they can't 
they can't get out of. It's a hole yeah. that they can't get out of. And I had one, I know I've told this story before, but there was one young man that I was especially really close to, and I was helping him over the years, and uh, he uh, he shot himself. He put a shotgun in his mouth, shot himself because he knew he was going to have to go to court on Monday morning, and mm. he knew he was going to go back to jail because he had not paid his fines and fees, yet he mm. was working and trying to do all he could to pay fines and fees. And I just realized that, that if I hadn't had, also, if I hadn't had the guidance and the support system that I had when I was a lot younger, that I might have found myself there yeah. in the, caught up in the criminal justice system. I just think we need to understand that there's a lot of things going on in the community and with everyone that uh, we shouldn't just be judging someone because and I think that. I think we have that in common, that we see that devastation of some of our loved ones. You know, they're our neighbors and our cousins and our brothers and our friends. Um, I know for me, uh, this really hit home because I have a family member with serious mental illness. Mm -hmm. And for so many years, there weren't appropriate resources available. Um, and sometimes their interactions with um, safety officers um, mm -hmm. is good. And sometimes it, it has really poor outcomes. And so um, I just think, unfortunately, um, too many individuals um, are ending up in our jails and prison systems mm -hmm. just because they have health conditions that are unmet because we don't have appropriate resources. And Definitely. so um, for me, it's incredibly personal. I think that it devastates families. Um, I know in Arkansas that families um, are important, um, that we really pride ourselves on being pro-life. However, yeah. the criminal system, it devastates and tears families apart too often. Um, and so I really um, want to make sure that the things that we are investing in um, are really making sure to strengthen the family and to remove obstacles and barriers to their success um, so yeah. that, you know, our children are getting all of their needs met. And the families that struggle that maybe generationally have been in poverty and haven't had those resources that they as adults as well are getting the tools that they need to be able to um, help our children um, to, to break those cycles um, that have been within generations. And so um, it feels really personal because um, I see too many uh, folks in our community that are, um, again, just having unmet needs, housing, recovery services, are ending up in the criminal system. And the truth of the matter too is um, we criminalize too many things. We really need to learn to get out of people's lives. Yeah. Um, if it's not causing harm, then we really need to quit criminalizing it. And that way we can have more liberty and more freedom in our communities. And, and this thing about setting a cash bond, which actually our, our rules in Arkansas say that setting a cash bond should be the last resort that a judge follows. But but nobody pays attention to that rule. Mm. They they set the you know the cash bond. That's the very first thing that happens, and 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 people with limited incomes who are poor, don't have one two three four five hundred dollars that they could apply to a bond. Yeah. I will tell you personally, I I don't have family members caught up in criminal justice, but I I I'll just share this. I I I, I grew up in in a household of significant poverty, and I can remember our mother pulling us kids together when the water uh, collection guy was at the door to, to collect the water bill or the gas bill, and she would tell us, shh, don't, mm. don't say anything because they didn't want, she didn't want them to know we were home. They would knock on the door for the gas bill, and the first couple times it would work. They wouldn't turn off the gas, but eventually not only would they turn off the gas, 
But let's say we're 60 days behind. They would take the meter, pull the meter wow. out and cap it off. I remember thinking as a kid, something, I don't know why, but it, it has just stayed with me my whole life. Something's wrong in a society that would, in the middle of winter, take a family's ga a method of heat and, and mm -hmm. cooking from that family because they can't pay a $60 bill. And then think about people and, and that, that then are faced with trying to pay a cash bond yeah. of several hundred dollars. I don't know why. It just... I, and then with FTAs, I, it becomes thousands of dollars, right? Thousands because it goes dollars. like $25,000 bond. That's like $2,000. Absolutely. And they face, they face prison time for the, for, the, for the missing of a court appointment. And yet they haven't run off. You know, most people, will they'll say, well, we're dealing with all these FTAs, failure to appear. The reality of it is most people that fail to appear in court do it because of a lack of transportation. That's why these car clinics are so important. That's the number one issue. Another issue could be something as simple as anxiety. Maybe they're mm -hmm. afraid to go to court that morning and they don't make it. Yeah. But have they absconded? No. Where do they live? They live in the same house they've been living in. They still have the same jobs they, they, that they did before. I mean, the police know where they are. And most of these people show up on their own with communication with their lawyer within a few days or a week or two at most. The reality of it is that's a really over-exaggerated problem about failure to appear. Yeah. And I'll make one last uh, point about, uh, you know, we were talking about safety. The public wants to be safe. Well, we always talk about we want our police officers to be safe, too. Well, one of the most dangerous things a police officer can do is to go to somebody's house to, to arrest somebody on a failure-to-appear warrant because you don't know what that person's state of mind is. Mm -hmm. You don't know whether there's weapons in the house. You don't know whether there's potential hostages. And yet, when you hold these FTA warrant clinics, there you have people show up who are in the right state of mind. They mm -hmm. want to take care of that warrant. They, they do not want to live with the, with the warrant hanging over their head. They're there to address it, to deal with the original charge that brought them to the court system in the mm -hmm. first place. That's why these FTA warrant clinics, they're not only good for law enforcement, they're good for the individuals. Um, and Benton County has not conducted a single FTA warrant clinic um, uh, even though we've asked them to multiple times, uh, at least Washington County is doing it. And get this, Urban, the last one they did, which was just a couple weeks ago, the, it was a low turnout. Yeah. But that low turnout still had 58 people. Yeah. That low turnout still resolved 58 warrants that, that would have resulted in people being arrested and taken to the jail. Because mm -hmm. as Sarah mentioned, when they arrest them on these warrants, they typically don't just arrest them, book them in, and let them go. They, particularly in Washington County, they set incredibly high bonds. Why? Yeah. Because that judge, that circuit judge, has made a decision. I want to see that person in my court, even though it's going to be 30 or 60 days away. Yeah. And in the meantime, we're going to house that person in pretrial detention. And I want to quickly just tell people what they can see on their ballot when they go to vote in Washington County. Um, it'll show up on the ballot as jail improvement bonds. And it reads, an issue of bonds of Washington County in the maximum aggregate principal amount of $113,500,000 to finance all or a portion, or a portion uh, of the cost of acquiring, constructing, equipping, and furnishing jail facilities, including particularly without limitation and expansion and improvement of the existing county jail facility to add new jail beds and expand the current courtroom therein and necessary utility, storage building, and parking improvements related thereto or in support thereof and in order to pay the bonds and the levy and the pledge of a 0.25% 
local sales and use of tax within the county, which is the way that they word it there too is still, it's like, I feel like it's meant to confuse people, but uh, we're saying on both of these issues in Washington and Bend County, vote against, correct? No, vote no. Vote no. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and think about this, the, in, in Benton County, it's two sales taxes, one to build the facility, one to operate. Vote no on each of those. We don't need the expansions. And in Washington County, it's a sales tax to, uh, to build the facility. They haven't even talked publicly how they're gonna pay to operate it. Um, mm. But 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 at the end of the day, taxpayers are going to pay for it one way or the other if if they approve the building of the facility. So vote no on both of those. And keep in mind, while the while the state legislature keeps touting that we want to get rid of sales taxes on groceries and all these kinds of wonderful things, here our counties are coming to us saying, let's impose sales yeah. taxes on groceries and all the necessities of life. Yeah, and people can follow everything that you all are going to be doing and the advocacy and more about uh, maybe in the next few weeks or in the next few days, y'all will be posting more about, you know, encouraging folks to vote no at Arkansas Justice Reformer Coalition. Y'all are both on Instagram and on Facebook. Y'all are on Twitter yet, right? Or are you on Twitter as well? You're on Twitter as well? And, and actually go to a website called notaxno.com, notaxno.com, which is specifically about these two jail expansions, and, and you can get a lot of information and if you're interested in helping us, you'll get information about that as well. And Irvin, if I might throw something in about what John said about the, um, there's nothing on the Washington County ba ballot about maintenance and operation of the jail. That's estimated mm. to be around 45 to $50 million a year that we have no idea how we're gonna pay for. Right mm. now, the jail maintenance and operation budget is 7.2 million. And if they add the beds that they wanted to, it's gonna be around 45 to 50 million a year for maintenance. Wow. So that money's gonna have to come from somewhere. Benton County currently spends a little over $13 million for operations of their jail, and the projections are they'll end up spending, like, say, 40 to $50 million total mm -hmm. uh, on operations and the sheriff's office. It will become the single biggest budget item by far. The next, the next closest single budget item is roads, which is $14 million. Mm -hmm. And historically, people may remember, in Arkansas, roads has always been the number one budget item in most county governments. Yeah. But now it's it's not just taking a, a backseat; it's taking a way backseat <laughs> to to incarceration. Yep. And on on the Washington County ballot, it says for or against. So vote against on the Bank County ballot. I'm not 100 percent sure, but if you see a no, if you see against, that's what you should do. That's what you should what you exactly. should click on. Two, um, both sales taxes. Sounds good. Well, thank you all for your time. I appreciate you all being here. And uh, like I said, follow Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and keep up to date on all the work that they're doing. That was the end of episode 153 of the District 3 podcast. My name is Irvin signing off.